0: Hi, we're back on Rachel in Recovery with Dr. Stephanie Powell. She's going to tell the rest of her story. And thanks for listening. Uh, Here she is. I guess we kind of talked about it. How much of it is parents selling their children versus children and young people being kidnapped?
1: So I would say, uh, in terms of kidnapping from the, from a stranger, you know, the van drives up, it happens. Um, but I would say, uh, from what I have seen and read, and and in the survivors that that I have dealt with, it's probably about one percent, one to two percent, as it pertains to a stranger. Um, I would say that uh, when it comes, the majority of uh, victims in human trafficking their trafficker is someone that they know, and that includes a parent. So that could be a parent, it could be a boyfriend, it could be a teacher, it could be someone in their life that has entered their life that either has a place of power or some type of influence that they see as an influence that um, has positioned their self in a place of power that that they are afraid to leave or they are afraid to tell on. That is the most common.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I mean I guess and how much you know, how much of this is recorded in like por- like in the pornography child pornography is or is that an entirely are they related or
1: there is some there can be some intersectionality of that. So um, uh, I'll, I'll just give you an example. When we think of pornography as a whole, and same thing, people will watch pornography and just assume that everyone that they see on that screen is there because they want to be there. Well, I have talked to victims of human trafficking that have said that they have been forced into pornography by their pimps as another way of making money. So you can imagine. If that's what's happening with adults. You know the same thing has got to be happening with children. So there is an intersectionality. Now it does not mean. That every victim of human trafficking. Is forced into pornography. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. That um, the two can't intersect one another just like labor trafficking can intersect human trafficking so because you have sex trafficking you have labor trafficking and so at times there have been situations where um the two can intersect
0: okay i mean that makes a lot of sense um what advice would you give survivors
1: The the advice that I would give to survivors is to say that it is very understandable. People will say, well, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just leave, especially if they're an adult? Why don't they leave? Why is it that a victim of human trafficking could go from state to state, be on an airplane, pass by a police station, and they don't go in and they don't tell? And what people need to understand is that there is a... um, Uh, an emotional bond that forms. There is a fear factor. When you look at, people say the same thing about victims of domestic violence. Well, why doesn't she just leave? There's several reasons, right, why she doesn't leave. And so those same um, uh, reasons are the reasons why the victim of human trafficking doesn't leave. I wanted to say that all first so so that the audience understands, so that I can say this. Please know that there are, there's hotlines. Law enforcement now has a better understanding than when I was on the force of what human trafficking victims are and what they go through. Um, There are so many entities. Um, Doctors, uh, emergency room doctors have been informed. There's so many entities and ways and hotlines that you can call when you think it's safe enough for you to get away because please know that there are nonprofit organizations and people that will be able to support you and help you and give you um, uh, the support that you need to not only get away but be able to help you with your own strength so that you don't ever have to go back. We believe you
0: and I, I I think a lot of survivors need that support and need to hear that because uh, absolutely trauma bonds are very, very difficult to break
1: absolutely, absolutely and I say the same thing to family understand that and I say this to people that are working in nonprofits I have to say it to myself that You'll help somebody get out, and because of the trauma bond, they may go back. But what they need to understand is that you are going to be there, and your door is going to be open for every time they go and come back, go and come back. I think uh, the, the, the number is something like six or seven times where they will leave and come back. So to those family members and friends that want to support someone who may be stuck in this life, just know they may go and come back, go and come back. They need your support to know that every time they come back, you will be open because you understand the impact of trauma bond. And they're afraid. They're afraid for you. They're afraid for themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think the first time I, I truly understood trauma bonds was when I was watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy and the little girl had been kidnapped and she missed her kidnapper sometimes because of the bond that, the, you know, watching TV together or, you know, doing fun things together or having that relationship. And, um, no, it's a huge thing that I, I feel like until you've lived it, or at least, you know, maybe more communications about understanding trauma bonds, that's probably one of the most difficult things for people to wrap their he- heads around until they've experienced it, or at least heard about it and tried to understand it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and see what advice would you like to give to their fams, family and friends who are trying to be supportive or, you know, want to be supportive, but they're really at a loss.
1: You know, that is such a, a hard one because when you really love someone, right, uh, and you see that they are living, um in a situation that could eventually hurt them or kill them and you want them out and you see that they're going back and forth it makes it so hard Um, but they need you to believe in them and they need you as frustrating as it will be to keep your door open for them because it is frustrating I think it's important um, we talked about therapy I think it's important for those family members to get their own therapy as well so that they also can remain strong and they will also know what to do when they are dealing with someone who is uh, trauma bond or emotionally bond, right? Uh, Because they have to take care of themselves as well. So I just say keep supporting, keep loving that person no matter how hard it gets because they need you. Because when they don't have you and they don't have anybody, they just stay. And that can be. Because also, I want to add, too, that what that trafficker is telling them your mother doesn't care about you, your father doesn't care about you. You could go ahead and go over to them, but all they're going to do is just throw you out because they don't have any use for you. And so, you don't want to help play out that false scenario that that trafficker is setting. I
0: guess I guess with that how would it for family and friends to have healthy boundaries with the person that's been trafficked, you know, for their own safety and their own cuz I mean that affects a family. How do you manage that dynamic?
1: I think you have to, you know, and that's that's an individual thing. But I think boundaries definitely have to be set. So in in, in loving this person and supporting them, boundaries absolutely have to be set. If them coming over to the house is unsafe, maybe it might be a situation where you're going to have to meet them somewhere. You you know what I mean? Um, So uh, it might be a situation where um, you don't give them money, but you may provide them food. Uh, so you just have to set the boundaries that are going to be safe for the the family member, and that are going to be safe and helpful to the family member that's coming for help. Okay, it's kind of like the person who is suffering from alcoholism, right? You know, it's just the same. You got to set boundaries. Yes. You got to set boundaries.
0: I I think that would be really difficult as a parent or as a, you know, you see somebody that's hurting so much and just trying to figure out how to manage, you know, boundaries with love. I think
1: what, I think what adds to that is again, there are several nonprofits that are out there that can also help the family members get through this. And be able to sit down with the survivor and the family. So there is additional help that is out there that is specific to this issue.
0: Okay. I mean, that's that's super helpful because I can't imagine what the toll it takes on the family as well.
1: A huge toll.
0: Um, what do you do for self-care in your line of work?
1: Huh. Probably not enough. I'm always being told that. Um, yeah, probably not enough. What I what I've started doing though, I'm kind of proud of myself, is that I've started setting boundaries. Uh, <laughs> so, it used to be, and I kid you not, I was on this twenty four seven. Phone ringing in the middle of the night. I'm answering it. I'm trying to help. I when I'm not working, I'm thinking of ways that I. Of things I could be doing. Or I would even find myself, you know, enjoying something and going like, wait a minute. I need to be thinking about so-and-so because she... So, I had to stop doing that. And I started to go like, okay, if I am off or I am on vacation, I'm not going to read anything on human trafficking. I am not going to look at my emails. (laughs) (laughs) So... um. I probably could get better but I have started at least not looking at my emails on my on my days off or um or trying not to answer the phone unless it's an a, an absolute emergency. So I'm working on it. I know what to tell <laughs> other people though. <laughs> well, do you do hiking or you know I I I actually I um I exercise. So that's been really good. Exercise have been, has been great. I've, I've been on the treadmill. Um, uh, I, I, I've been doing that. So I've been exercising. I've been eating right. Um, I have horses, so I've been, been riding them. And then you know what I've do, been doing too? It's just really pausing where I do absolutely nothing and just free my brain and Relax. So, yes, thank you for reminding me. See? <laughs> you had to remind me.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, I think anybody that does anything with this level of trauma, I think self-care is, you know, essential. I mean, it's the only way to get through of it because it can just eat you alive, so to speak.
1: Without you even knowing that it's eating you alive.
0: Yeah, no, it's it can be very emotionally and physically and mentally exhausting.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> okay, um how has this impacted your faith?
1: I'll tell you, I think it's impacted my faith in a in a good way and that it has strengthened it. And how it has strengthened it is um through me praying for those that you know, I work with, but interesting enough, it is strengthened it through the survivors that I've worked, through, worked with and their faith. Watching their faith in God. Watching their faith in relying on God to get them through it. And so when my faith would either be not as being weak not being where it needs to be I gather it from those that I'm helping them and watching their strength and some of that strength may even come from a spiritual aspect from them where they may not be going to church but they really still believe that there's a higher power and so watching that really reminds me okay Stephanie you know where your 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 faith level is. You know you need to kick it up a little bit, girl. So uh, <laughs> that's how it has impacted that.
0: Okay. Is there anything else you would like to add that I didn't talk about or didn't address?
1: I think you addressed everything and you asked great questions.
0: All right. Um, I think that's it. Um, so... Thank you, Stephanie, for being on our show and telling us all about sex trafficking. And um, hopefully this can help some listeners who, you know, have either been through sex trafficking or um, anybody that's working in the field with victims. So or anybody just to be aware of sex trafficking. So
1: thank you so much for inviting me and thank you so much for caring enough. To put on this type of show. Well.
0: I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Not trafficking. But uh, that's a lot of the reason I do this. Is because I know there's so many people out there. Who it takes a lot of courage to get better. And it takes a lot of you know strength to do recovery. Because it's not for the weak. I know so many people that. They're not willing to do the work to get better, but it will impact their lives as long as they don't get help. I agree. But the one thing about recovery that I've learned a lot recently, you pretty much have to be willing to risk losing everything in order to get better.
1: Absolutely.
0: And that's terrifying.
1: I agree. Same thing for victims of human trafficking.
0: So, um, for all those who are survivors, keep working at it. Whether it's new treatments, new you know support groups, uh, and just you know take care of yourselves out there. So, um, all right, and I think that's it, guys. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Listen to us on your favorite podcast or social media platform, and. Uh, as always, uh, if you have any questions, reach out on social media or on rachelandrecovery.com. Thanks for listening.